And I said, nope, absolutely not. You're done. I don't want to see you for at least a week. You calm down, and if you come back and you know how to act, then you can continue to, to come here for lunch. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Guest interaction is probably the thing we do the most at our jobs, and while usually fun and positive, it can sometimes be challenging. People can be awkward, not know the rules, or just be downright rude. My guest today is Simone Mims. In her 22 years behind the bar, she's had a lot of experience handling all sorts of challenging interactions. Let's get into it. But, you know, alcohol tends to, you know, loosen those layers a bit. Uh, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. So you always have to kind of be on your, um, you know, watchful eye when it turns south, mm. you know, so. Yeah, uh, so you feel like, just across the board, everybody is becoming more awkward and less less social skills. Uh, there's another thing I wanted to talk about is um, I f- sometimes I feel like uh, I just want to say like, have you have you been to a bar before? Is <laughs> have you your, been out today? Is this <laughs> your first one? You know, I feel I feel compassion for these people, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's not, it cu- it catches me off guard sometimes where someone just like seems like they've never talked to a person before or or recently and um it's it's really tough for me because i'm always like oh hey welcome you know like Mm -hmm. cheerful and 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 then someone is just like terrified of me and it's (laughs) do do, do, do you get that a lot or i i think that there was a culture in mixology um where there was a there was a, a point where we were especially here in the bay area and you know also in new york and i draw from these two places because this is where i spent the most of my career where bartenders were seen in this like, well, I'm, I'm the bartender and I'm going to make you what I want to make you and you listen to me. And again, that wasn't really hospitality. Yeah. Um, if you could, if you might, I will tell you the story. I was working at a bar um, about a year and a half ago and I, I've told the story a lot, but I, I always tell it when I talk, when I talk about this, um, there's women in there and they, it was, it was a Friday night, it was super busy and they came in and they were, it was a bachelorette party and they were having, they were living their best lives. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of them comes up to the bar and she, you know, ordered like, oh, can you make, um, you know, blowjob shots? And I stepped back from the bar for a second and I put my hand on the bar and I put my hands on my hips and I was kind of like, hmm. And she's like, oh, oh I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know if you guys do that. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm really just kind of seeing i'm like i think i haven't made that drink in a long time i'm just kind of just seeing if we have the ingredients to make it and i said well i know we don't have whipped cream however if you want me to make you something kind of like chocolatey i could do that she's like oh that'd be great so they i made that and then they came back for another round of them and then they came back for another round of them and they had some other drinks and it was the bill you know was pretty substantial and they paid the bill they left a really good tip and she was leaving she's like oh thank you so much i was like listen if you go to a bar and you're, it's Friday night, you're having a good time with your friends, you go to the bar and they don't treat you well. Don't go back. Mm. You know, and so I think that, that that kind of like, that kind of cocktailogy, mixology thing has been very, um, you know, people are like, being often asked me like, oh, are you a, you know, are you a mixologist? I said, no, I'm a bartender. Mixology is part of bartending, um, not the other way around. Mm. Um, hospitality is also part of bartending. I think that you know there's been a culture of people being afraid of the bartender for a long time, and also I think that people work a lot. 
you know, and they don't really, you know, go out to dine or to have drinks as, you know, much as they used to. So when they do go out, it's a special occasion. And yeah, they probably don't know how to interact with the bar. And a lot of people don't know what they want and they don't know what they like. And they're intimidated. We, you know, we are lucky in the Bay Area. We have so many bars that have such great product. It can be intimidating walking into a place and being like, oh, I, I only know about Jack Daniels and Makers. No offense to them. Great companies, great stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're like, they look up and they see a wall of like whiskey they've never heard of. And it's intimidating. But I think we, you know, it's just about a conversation and making it accessible for people. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's really just understanding where they're coming from. And, Absolutely. And um, how, what are some ways that you prepare yourself to sort of, I guess, receive those kind of interactions where people are awkward or how do you like go into your day? Like, cause some of them really catch me off guard. Yeah. Um, how do you prepare yourself for someone that's really like not having a, <laughs> a great time? Sure, sure. I mean, you know, preparation in general is just, you know, being knowledgeable about the product and, you know, figuring out a way to, to translate it to people. You know, I can go into details about mash bills and you know sourcing water and all this other stuff and that's for me and that's for my geeky bartender friends and some chefs that and some psalms are really interested in that but like you know again you, you figure out ways to make things digestible for people um like you know they could sit there you know with our huge tech industry here they can probably tell me how to run this algorithm and how to build the cell phone i don't need to know all that i just need to pick it up and know that it works Right. Um, same thing with the drink. They don't always need to know or want to know all those details. They just want to know if it's good. Yeah. And so just making it fun for people. Um, I, I was talking about Blackbird. You know, I used to work there sometimes on Sundays by myself and I would play amazing music and I would just like make it fun. And people would be like, oh, what you what are you making today? Oh, I'm making this drink. And, you know, this was on the menu and Marcus came up with this drink and it's really good. It has, you know, and just making it fun for people. And I think you know, when you when you can make it fun, um, they see it as less intimidating. You know, when they see it, like, oh, what's that thing on the back bar? We're like, oh, this is, you know, again, you can go in like all these technical details, but when you're like, oh, this is really delicious, it's made by these awesome people, you know, and just like, make it fun for people. I think that's that's how, you know, you 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 really um, get them to 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 relax. Yeah. You know, you know, cracking jokes and be like, "Hey, man, what's up?" You know, and again, I just, I just like to make, make you know, the experience fun. And the more fun you make it for them, they, they relax and then they're not intimidated. And then if they have to ask you some questions and they, they feel, you know, more, um, they feel, they feel like you know, you're, you're the friend, you're the buddy. You know, sometimes it gets a little, you know, too friendly, um, but. <laughs> You're like okay, okay, enough. All right, you you've had about you know four old fashions. You you should come down now. But um, you know, you just excited. You just make it fun for people. And if you come in with a good attitude and you come mm-hmm. in, you know, with that the knowledge and again that accessibility, it makes it it makes it makes it fun for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had ex- a similar experience to that uh, last night. We we have a at my at the wine bar that I work at. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty esoteric kind of nerdy wine list. Everything's great though, which is which is nice that. I can recommend anything, and I know it's going to be quality. But someone was like, I, "I don't really recognize any of these wines. I just want like a, like a real, just like a basic Pinot, just like an uncomplicated Pinot." Do, sure. do you have that? And I was like, "Well, we've got uh, Spätburgunder, which mm-hmm. is Pinot in Germany, and it's very uncomplicated. But I guess if you're German, it's very uncomplicated." Right. Too <laughs> so like, I was making all these jokes about 
Um, but and then of course she loved the wine and and then was having a great time after that. We had some. I had some uh, some folks in at Fico last night, mm-hmm. and guy was like, "Well, wh- what wine do you do you recommend?" He was just having a glass before he sat down for dinner. I was like, "Tell me, let's do this a different way. What are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Tell me, give me some flavors. Like, what did it taste like?" And he said, "Oh, I did, same thing. He said he wanted something like a pinot, uh, like a pinot noir." And we don't have a lot of domestic wine by the glass. And I was like, oh, you know what? We got this Chiliagiolo that's, I think you're going to like it. It's kind of juicy and fresh. Let me pour you a taste. And he was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, did he ask any questions about Chiliagiolo? Did he want to know that the, the word means cherry-like? Did he want it? Nope. He just wanted something that was going to meet those profiles. And you make it digestible for him. He goes to the table, maybe, or the bottle, and he wants to speak to the psalm, and they have a lot more information to give. But right then and there, I could tell he just wanted that thing so he could feel comfortable. So yeah, just give it to him. I think a lot of us are confused about um, all this knowledge that we have and all this, all these things that we learn, because we're really excited about it. Like, sure. We care about which region this agave was produced in and like what, you know, how many times this thing was distilled or whatever. Mm-hmm. But really... I think all of that knowledge that we're gaining is great for us to be excited about, but the purpose of it is to make our guests have a great time. Sure. Like we know all that stuff, so we can recommend them a great drink. Yeah. And you also have those people who are super... Oh, yeah. They want to know all those details. And, you know, it's always great to have it in your back pocket. Totally. Um, but sometimes you don't have to take it out of your pocket and hit them over the head with it. You know. No, sometimes I just want to tell our industry, guys, guys. Calm down. We're the only <laughs> ones that think this is cool. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is great. The, the excitement that we have in this industry, I think, is really wonderful. But I think we need to channel it a little bit more. Certainly. To the right direction. So speaking of, of awkward customers, you ever had those regulars or a regular? I call I like to call them irregulars. <laughs> where you see them come in, you're like, oh, no, not again. I'm not in the mood today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got any good stories there about how you handle something like that? Um. Well, I mean, I've I've been really lucky that um, the irregulars, as you call them, weirdly like me. I don't know what that's about. Well, that's um, always how it is. Yeah, yeah. they're like, "Hey, Smode, what's going on?" I'm like, "Hey, how you doing? Good to see you, bud. Good to see you." <laughs> um, I mean, they're people. Yeah. Um, and and you know, there's obvious obviously a reason that they're they keep coming back, even if they're not being met with. Um, fully acceptance all the time. There's a reason that they're there. Um, There's a reason why they feel comfortable there. Um, I try not to let it bother me. Um, The only time is if they're being aggressive or rude to to staff. That's one thing. I'm like, yeah, there's a line that they cross. You can be here and we'll take care of you, but you cannot say, you know, those things to this person. Now, do we have an understanding? Oh, yes, Simone. Great. Then... Let's have a good time, but I'm not gonna let you abuse my staff. Yeah, that's that's absolutely no. I, I worked at a restaurant, um, and I was a manager about a few years ago, and we had a regular. He would come in for lunch all the time. He was really really grumpy, and one day, you know, he he was a little he was prickly. He was very prickly, but he liked me again. I don't know why, but I was very direct with him. You know, all the time, I'm like, what are you doing? And he's, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. I feel like I have this mom factor that people <laughs> <laughs> connect with that way. And I'm like. They give you that look like, you know, you're, you know, you're messing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would come in and one day he was just, you know, I don't know if he was in a bad mood or what the deal was, but, you know, he called um, 
one of the staff members a little a little B word. And I said, nope, absolutely not. You're done. I don't want to see you for at least a week. You calm down, and if you come back and you know how to act, then you can continue to, to come here for lunch. Oh, well, nope. Bye-bye. So the next week he comes back, and he's like, I'm really sorry. You know, I was having a bad day. I was like, yes, I understand you're having a bad day, but it doesn't give you the right to take it out on my staff. They work very, very hard, and you're not always the easiest person to deal with. Mm. And he's like, okay. Two weeks later, same thing happened. It's like, okay, you're done. We, we, don't, we, we, can't, we can't have you back in the restaurant anymore. And so we had to 86 them. Mm. And that was not what we want. You know, we don't want to 86 people. We don't want people to feel unwelcome, but we also have to protect our staff. And I've worked for a lot of people who didn't have that same ethos. Um, and it caused me to want to leave. It caused me to feel unsafe at work. And as a manager, it's something that I will not, at this point in my life, I will not allow. I will not my, allow my staff to come to work and feel unsafe. Yeah. It's 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 just something we have to create safety for our staff. Um, we have to create safety for our coworkers, and there's just too many things, and too many ways they can be abused um, coming to work. And you know, they it's a lot of pressure. You know, you're trying to you know make this product, you're trying to get it out, you're trying to be fast, you're trying to be efficient, you're trying to do all these things, and I'm not going to have um, somebody come from outside and abuse that. Yeah, you know, we want everybody to have a good time when you're in here, and if you're not about that, then you need to go. Mm-hmm. So. I want to talk about what is that line because I don't think it's always obvious mm. when that line is crossed. So I had I had some guys, uh, they were saying like offensive jokes to each other. They weren't being loud. They weren't, and they weren't, they were kind of sitting apart, but I, and I would only hear it as I walked by. So I didn't do anything because, I mean, that, that's a real gray area with like freedom of speech and I just sure. didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. I mean, I was offended by what they were saying, but... You know, um, wh- wh- what's the line that cross that that people get, would have to cross for it to become like no, this this is not acceptable anymore. Versus like, okay, you're you're weird and doing something on your own, but it's that's okay. I'm gonna let it go. Yeah, um, it's 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 hard. It's difficult to figure out what that is. Um, if you know, if people are in a space where. Well, number one, if it, you know, if it's offensive to the point where other guests are experiencing it and they're like, "What's going on?" and it's making the energy change in the room, if it's again egregious to the point where uh, you know a staff member doesn't want to, cannot interact with this, you know, these people mm-hmm. at all, um, you know, we always talk about uh, how we manage staff and how we, you know, having to fire someone is terrible. And you know you know, you don't want to do it, but sometimes every once in a while you have to fire a guest. You have to say you, you know, <laughs> like and it's, it's gentle. It's like, hey, I want you guys to have a good time, but some of the stuff that you're you're talking about here is a little racy. You need to bring it down. You need to bring it down a little bit. And if you can't, then you know we got to end our night here. Mm-hmm. And I think you know gently and quietly is the best way to do it because you know I don't I'm not trying to make a scene with people. You know that's only going to embarrass them and, and create more of a situation. I found recently in a in a in a most recent um, working environment uh, where a lot of people with a lot of um, you know a lot of money, uh, you know, again they don't want to be embarrassed in front of their friends. Oh, can I can I talk to you? Can I pull you to the side and and have a word with you just really quickly about an issue with you know something else? And you know, and like, hey, this is happening with this situation. We want you to have a good time. We want them to have a good time but we can't continue this way. So we can make a choice. 
It's your choice. Do you want to stay, have a good time, and bring it in a little bit? Or do you want to be invited to leave? It's your choice. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, it's like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. You know, like, oh, oh we'll do better. And, you know, that, that every, every so often you have those people who are just like, well, la, la, la. It's like, okay, well, now I have to invite you to leave. So that's it. And they, again, not getting emotional about it. That's another thing, kind of keeping your emotions in check. That used to be a really hard thing for me um, earlier on. But I think that I'm doing a lot better with it now. Mm. So, what helped you uh, be better with that? I mean, you just you just have to know it's not about me. It's not about me. Yeah. You know, it's it's not about me. It's about them. I can't make their problem my problem. They have a problem. Totally. So it's not me. I I didn't make you say that thing. I didn't make you um, cross that line. You're doing it. You're doing it for a reason that I have nothing to do with. Um, but we're trying to create a space where people are having a good time. And if you can't um, see that and if you can't be a part of it then you can't be a part of it it doesn't happen often luckily um, but you know those are that's part of the bo- that's part of the job yeah you know? and it seems like another just another opportunity to provide good hospitality because the person that's acting out or doing these things uh, as you said are doing it for their own reasons and we still need to provide hospitality to them too but it might be a little different than cheerfully giving someone a drink mm-hmm. in that case, yeah. you know, it's a, what they need at that moment is help not <laughs> acting like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Sure. 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 <laughs> Basically. So especially at this bar here, we get a lot of tourists, people from, from other countries, even other States where there's different policies, different rules, different ways of interacting. Like there's a, like a lot of places you can just take your drink outside. I think New Orleans, Vegas, yeah, um, a lot of places in Europe, you can just wander off your drink. But you know, we have these laws here that people don't know. Or maybe just it's so natural for them. Um, things like that are just ways of behaving, ways of interacting with staff. Um, have you encountered those kinds of things, and and how would you handle those or educate those people that hey, you're not in, you're not in New Orleans anymore? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the, especially for. East Coasters coming here. Um, what do you mean the bar closes at one thirty? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just let them know. You know, well, we, we're in, we're from New York. How come? It's like you know, I totally understand that. I totally get it. But it's our. It's these are just the laws we have here, and if we break them, we can lose our liquor license, and so all this goes away. And that's all they say, really. Mm-hmm. It's the law, and again, it's not being you're not getting emotional about it. It's just the law, you know. You're you're welcome to move here and, and try to change it. <laughs> I was joking I people. You you're, you're welcome. Yeah, you know, with San Francisco has a lot to offer. It's a great town. You know, Oakland is a, is amazing. Emeryville, Alameda, please feel free to move to California and help us change that law if you if you wish. But that is the law here. Uh, I do understand the frustration uh, of it, but um, you know, it's just we don't really have the infrastructure to have you know bars open. 24 hours a day. Yeah. Man, New Orleans is crazy. Um, <laughs> and we don't have the infrastructure to have bars be open till 4 a.m. to ensure that people are getting home safe. People drive here a lot. That's this laws are enacted to make sure people stay safe. So I get it, but that's where we are. Yeah. It seems like empathy in that situation is really good. Yeah. I, had a, I had a guy from, uh, he, I think he was from France, come in, um, and our kitchen closes at nine at my other bar. He comes in at like nine forty-five, 
And he's like, the kitchen is closed? I'm like, yeah, man, I know. It sucks, huh? Yeah, Europeans <laughs> eat late. When I was in France last year, like, oh, dinner's at 9 o'clock. I'm like, 9 o'clock? Yeah. I'm going to be in the bathtub by then. Um. <laughs> so, so I was just telling him, he's like, this is ridiculous. Everything closes so early. And this bar's in the Richmond where everything like closes at 9. Yeah. I'm surprised that we even stay open until 10. I just got right there with him. I'm like, yeah, man, it's, I hate it. Like, I, I live in this neighborhood, and I can't eat after 9. It's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, but then I had a suggestion, too. I'm like, you know what? If you go over there, their kitchen closes at 11. Like, right. Check that place out. The, the knowledge of the of the town is good for folks like that. Well, if you want a, a late night, you know, meal, you should go to X, Y, and Z. They, your kitchen closes at, you know, go to Nope. They're, they're open till 12, I think. Yeah. You know? I always like to have a list. Every time I start a new project, I start, I do, what I do is I, um, I start a, a Google drive of like places to go in the neighborhood, late night places, places to get certain things. Like, you know, well, I want to go to a place that has live music. I want to go to a place that has yeah. this particular thing. So I always start a... Well, so you share that with your staff too. Yeah. And then like, here, you take a look at this. You have questions. You know, like the other night, you know, it was working and somebody's like, what's that, you know, restaurant in the Mission? And they, they always have line, you know, Mexican restaurant with burritos. I was like, Farolito. And they were like, you just came up with that. And I was like, listen, you have to have, you know, that information in your back pocket all the time. People want to know, give them a list. Set it off. You yeah. Know? It's almost as important, maybe even more important than like knowing what type of agave varietal is in this <laughs> mezcal. Yeah. You can go there and have a meal at midnight and they also have the most amazing tapestates in the city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what we, we touched on this earlier um, when you were, you were mentioning the, the group of people that were very wealthy. I think in this town... You know, the, the demographic has changed a lot over the years, and there's a lot of people with a lot of money, a lot of people that have a lot of entitlement. And sometimes I see this where they, they just kind of treat our industry like the help, mm. like, like we're, we're like a lower life form. It's, at least that's what it feels like to me and a lot of people. And I understand that they're coming from a different place, but I think there's another point of, of providing hospitality and educating people in a way that's like, Hey, this is not how you treat people because you'll have a much better time if you, you know, if we can be on the same level. How do you handle that? I imagine you see that a lot in this city as well. Yeah, um, you do. I happen to have worked at a private club where, you know, with the membership, they go, well, I'm a member. And I was like, well, everybody's a member here. <laughs> you know, like, he's a member, she's a member, you're a member. I got you. We're going to take care of you. We're all a member. We're all. I think that also um, we we are in an age of everybody's a special flower. Yeah. We're, we're all we're all special flowers. We all need to feel special. I don't think that I've ever. I, I grew up in a very. And my mother she she loved me obviously. I, I was not unloved, but she was very adamant about the fact that like you know we're we're all trying to be here to, you know on this planet and you know no nobody you're not nobody's better than the other person, and so. I just say, well, you know, well, I'm this person. That's like, that's fantastic. I am so happy for you. And when I'm done making this drink for this person that year that was here first, I'll be right with you. And you know, that's not, and that's it. And then you get to them, and they're like, I was like, okay, now we got our drinks. Can I get you anything else? Mm -hmm. Now it's your turn. It's your turn now. And I, I remember one time this, this it goes gentleman, back to like the mom attitude. Yeah, yeah. I get just get get mom. And again, control the emotions. Stay very calm. Now, what can I get for you? 
Okay, great. Anything else for you? Great. All right, we've got our drinks now. And it, you know, when I say when I, I feel like when I say things in that way, people are often like, "Damn, I was an asshole." They, you know, they <laughs> they kind of they have that realization. And so the next time they have like, "Hey, how are you? you? How are your drinks? Would you like it?" You know. And so it's kind of like. But you didn't call them out either, and that's what's important, I think. I mean, again, the controlling of the, of the emotions. You know, twenty years ago, I might have been like, "You're a jerk," you know. But mm-hmm. I'm. It, it, it's again, it's not about me. Something's happening there where they're insecure and feeling like their money is making a difference in how I'm supposed to react. It's like, you know, I don't care if you have, you know, $10 in the bank, $100,000 in the bank, a million dollars in the bank. Um, I want to treat everybody at the bar the same, you know, and then this environment, you know, you never know. Somebody could come in with a thousand dollar suit on and be broke AF. And then you could see another person come in with a hoodie and ripped jeans, and they could be a, a you know a cajillionaire. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I don't I don't really judge on appearance. I judge on how people treat me and mm-hmm. how people treat the staff. You know, and I've I've definitely interacted with people who I I was like I don't know that person. And, you know, it hasn't even been like oh you know he's a millionaire. I was like well he likes Jack Daniels, so we're pouring it tonight for him. So that's I mean it doesn't matter to me. None of that stuff matters to me. I think you know you get treated. You know, you get treated how you treat us. The, um, you, you know, that's not going to change. You know, that I mean, pe- people with money are always um, not not everyone who has money, but certain people who have money are, you know, are go- going to be that way. It's been this way from the beginning of time, and it's not going to change. It. What needs to change is how we in- inter- interact with them. Everybody's always like, oh, well, tech people this and tech people that. I'm like, they're here. They're not going anywhere. We right. need to stop blaming everything on them and f- try to figure out, sorry, how to um, how to just how to deal, how to make it, you know, how to make this industry work with them and not against them, mm-hmm. you know. Because technically, they're they're funding this industry too. They they are, you know, they're here and you know make things. You know, I I, I honestly when I when it first when I first moved out here, you know, ten ten and change years ago, I was very much like, oh, you know, what's up with these folks, but. You know, honestly, they just want, they want their Moscow mules. They they want their cheeseburger. You know, it's, so what? You know, if I got it, I'm making it. I'm making it for them. I'm not, you know, going to be like, oh, this person is, you know. I Yeah, there's some stuff where you're like, people come in, like, I have a really good, good friends whose mom's coming to town and all they want to do is drink Cosmos. You know what? I'm going to take you to a place and I'm going to get you a bomb Cosmo. Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to be like, hey, mom. Can we get you something else that's like this, but a little bit different? I'll hook you up. Um, but yeah, people, people with money are always going to be like that, and you, you you just can't let them push you off your square. It's the same thing. It's all about controlling the emotions. Um, about it, just yeah, you just have to control your emotions, and 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 it's frustrating. And some days I do better with it than others, and some days I'm like, oh man, I can't really. I'm I'm not. I'm out for my game today. I'm not. I'm not doing well taking this. And then some days I'm just, um, I just have to smile and and kind of feel a little bit feel sorry for them. It's like, oh man, you you mm. got some stuff going on. That's a lot of that's a lot of insecurity. You have all of this and you're still, you know, you you have a lot of money, but you're still bankrupt in the inside. That's sad to me. So I'm like, yeah. you know, kid gloves. I'm Compassion. like, oh, what can I get for you? What can I get for you? You mm. know. And so that that's that's how I do. You know, it's it's kind of like like you said, going back to that empathy. It's like, oh, something's something's broken here, and 
let's get you a drink. Let's fix it. Let's get some food. Let's fix it. Let's, you know, but, but it has nothing to do with me. That's, that's on them. You know, you want to come into the bar. You want to treat me like a servant. And that's, that's your bag to, to fill. I, I know, for, know this for sure. Creating an environment where you, you give service to people and hospitality, you know, that takes a lot. That takes a lot of, you know, uh, for a person to serve another person. Um, and you know, some people really appreciate it. I've had people who have been my regular guests at places that I've worked in restaurants that I worked that really appreciated who I knew had a lot of money and I just treated them like regular people. And you know, they, they appreciated that. And I know people who don't, didn't have a lot and still treated them like they were a millionaire and they appreciated. You just gotta be, you know, you just gotta take the emotion out of it and really, um, and just kind of see it as, you know, it's their thing. It's not our thing. You know? Yeah. So, do you have a story about how you really turned it around for someone? Someone was coming in really cocky and acting rude, and and you kind of turned it around and they changed. Um, over time, yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know why the stories have to do with a lot of dudes. Um, I have a you know my my experiences with men are very interesting because I am, you know. I'm black, I'm a woman, I'm gay. And so I think sometimes certain men feel challenged by me behind the bar because I'm I'm not something that people regularly see behind the bars in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like white dudes with sleeve tattoos and, and facial hair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little different. Um, and so, you know, again, you know, the, the challenges on, on my knowledge, on on you know what I know how do you know that and um so you know again working at this bar a couple years ago bar that I really really love um and this guy would come in like you know order I don't know it always goes back to whiskey and you know asking he was like talking to his friends and asking questions and he was like well yeah la 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 and this this is the best whiskey and this is the reason why and he happened to be talking about Pabby Van Winkle and he's like, well, what do you think? And I was like, well, I think it's, I think it's good whiskey. I think it's just ever so slightly overrated. And he's like, oh, no, it's the best. And I was like, well, if you think it's the best, then it's the best for you. He's like, well, what do you drink? I was like, well, I, I can't afford to drink Pabby Van Winkle every day. Um, but if I'm going to do a high-end bourbon, I'll do this, this, that, and the other and for these reasons. And he... He just, you know, every time he would come in, he would like challenge me, challenge me, challenge me, challenge me. And so I would just kind of casually spout off facts about this whiskey. Oh, we've got the Heaven Hill 27 and la, la, la. And talk about that. Oh, the Balvini 50. And, you know, and, and so eventually he stopped challenging me and he would bring his friends. Like, See that girl? She knows about whiskey. Ask mm. her. And so again, you know, I get that's, that's his, that was his deal. And he needed to continuously feel like he needed to test me, uh, for whatever reason. Um, and I just, I just gave him info, but I was very matter of fact about it. You know, he doesn't need to know that I blind tasted 500 whiskeys at ADI (laughs) in February. Um, I mean, we eventually got to that point, um, of me telling him that, um, he doesn't need to know that I've run programs with, you know, over 200 whiskeys in the program. He doesn't need to know that, but and again, we eventually got to that that point. But, you know, the knowledge, again, keeping that knowledge in your back pocket, um, it's kind of like armor uh, for me. 
And, uh, but again, you know, making it digestible for people. And he eventually just stopped being a jerk to me and stopped, started really understanding that I do actually know what I'm doing. And I do care about knowing and, but not to offend anyone to, to make what I do more, more profitable. It's like the more, you know, the more you have the potential to make, um, and that's it. I would always try to instill that in my staff too. We had, you know, I was just working at uh, this club and they had the sky come in and I would always show them like, you guys really need to learn about these high end whiskeys because people are going to come in and you can't sell something if you don't know about it. You know, yeah. so it's yeah, $7,200 a pour. So I was like, you got to learn about it. And I gave them like information all the time about it. And they were like, okay, okay. So the few people that did, and this one guy came in very recently, they still let me know what's going on at the, at the place. <laughs> they were very like, oh, guess what we did? And I was like, oh, that's great. I feel, I'm really proud of you. Came in and bought like eight shots of Balvini 50 and some other stuff to bill ended up being like over $50,000. And then he left a $12,000 tip. Wow. But you can't do that unless you know, about the product and so and making it accessible and digestible so totally mm-hmm. so as you mentioned this, this is a very challenging thing um to not take it personally basically yeah um what what's your journey been like getting there because it now you're very good at this <laughs> but um oh man i got a temper on me i really do <laughs> you don't even understand so what are some things you've done to uh kind of rein that in for yourself and hold on to yourself more when you're dealing with these issues, because this is stuff we deal with every day. Every and day. And it can wear you down very easily if you let it. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the things I started doing, I started drinking less. Mm. Um, I know that for me, and everybody's different, everybody's chemical makeup is different, but I, I knew that, I understood that when I'm tired and if I'm hungover, I'm tired, or if I'm drunk, my emotions tend to peak a little bit more. In the shorter fuse. Yes. So um, I don't drink behind the bar anymore. Um, that's, that's just, just, just a rule for me. I might have like a little chinar, you know, if, if the, yeah. if the team is doing a little, but like, I keep it very low ABV behind the bar. Um, I don't really drink that much. I have like thousands of dollars worth of liquor at home. I, I, the only time I really touch is Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, oh, we're opening up the, the joy tonight, and, you know, pouring out 50 year old <laughs> rum for everybody. And you know, my, my girlfriend gets like, she's like, no. And I'm like, it's fine. They make more. Um, <laughs> they do, they make more, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I think that just being healthier of, of mind and body has definitely helped me manage my, my emotions a lot better about it. And I think that's something that our industry generally is moving toward. And I'm really happy to see people really taking, um, taking stock in their own personal, like emotional and, and physical development and keeping themselves strong. And I've noticed that the people who really um, adhere to, to this this mindset, they've changed. They're 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 stronger behind you know the bars. They're stronger in their work because um, they're not you know dealing with you know fatigue and being hungover. And you can come to work very fresh. If you're fresh, the fresher you are, the, the better you're able to deal with um, whatever comes at you. Mm. And so that's for me. I think that that's been a real real big thing and I say that you know I'm headed to tails with cocktail next week and there's going to be all this alcohol being thrown Sometimes at me literally thrown at you. like take this shot <laughs> um I don't I was like I thank you I don't you know, don't want that um 
I'll t- you know, I taste now and I just kind of like, and I always, the thing is like, you don't have to finish everything. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, like going about, it's like, oh, this drink is good. I don't have to like chug it down and like be done with it. And I can be like, oh, you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm already there. I can leave that alone and I don't need to get more. I think the mindset comes from uh, when we were all in college. And, mm. and booze was really scarce because it was because we didn't have any money and <laughs> it was hard booze. to get. Yeah. Uh, but now it's we're literally swimming in free alcohol. Yes. It's like it's okay. You can pour it out. It's fine. It's, <laughs> There's gonna be more guys. It's so crazy. I, you know, we do a lot of events with um, with USBG and like Speed Rack and all these great events that we that we have uh, the privilege to um, to have in this in this in the Bay Area. And there's always just so much booze around i'm getting you know, like goosebumps just thinking about how much booze like you know i have to interact with on a day-to-day basis but again you know i have like a library of alcohol at home you know including wine and i never drink it you know at home you know i'll go to the corner store and buy like a six pack of beer will like last me for two weeks <laughs> um it's it's so funny um but yeah it's it's always around so like i just that's also a thing like i don't feel the necessity to like you know, always get it. It's, it's there if I want it. I'm really lucky. You know, there's a lot of codependency that also runs in my family and I'm really lucky that I don't, that, that gene didn't get passed on to me. Um, I think about it all the time working in this industry. It could have definitely gone a different way. Um, but yeah, I think that the whole, like taking care of oneself is how, you you know, you can't take care of anyone else until you take care of yourself. And that goes for, being working behind the bar that goes for, you know, working in a restaurant, whatever it is. And also takes, you know, you know, means in your relationships too, you know, and I think that I'm able to be a much better employee, employer, partner, whatever the case may be, because I'm taking better stock in myself. So that's, that's, that's really important advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simone, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to see you. Yeah. And, uh, great knowledge here. Thank you. Absolutely. That was Simone Mims. Amazing advice on interactions that happen every day. It's important to not take these things personally. It's always more about the guest and their own baggage than it is about you. And it's easier to handle when you're in good shape yourself. We actually have a couple other episodes about health and wellness. Make sure to check those out at your86.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E-86.com or in your favorite podcast player. And make sure to hit subscribe. We have new conversations every week. I'll see you next time.